Hey thoughties, welcome to another episode of The Thoughtful Ho. I'm your host, The Thoughtful Ho, and today we have AM, the queen of sexy. Thank you for joining me today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. Tell me a little bit about yourself for the people that don't know. You're <laughs> such a badass. People oh, need to know about you. Uh-huh. Thank you about myself. So I've been a stripper since 2002. Um, I live in Los Angeles. I'm a new amputee. I'm a below the knee amputee, um, which has been really interesting, um, sort of coming to terms with being disabled for the rest of my life. I think for a while I keep thinking it's temporary. Um, (laughs) and I'm finally starting to realize that, um, I'm originally from the East coast, but I've lived in Los Angeles since 1999. Um, and I am an activist these days. I kind of quit working recently. I've like completely almost stopped working on any capital gain for my personal self and have switched mostly to activism and um, like I want to retire and be an activist for the rest of my life. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of new. Um, But yeah, that's me in a nutshell currently. I think that's super dope that you're wanting to be an activist full time. Like, I think that people don't understand that activism is really hard at times. Like, it's really hard to make sure that you're coming across the right way. Yeah. And making sure that you're helping the right people. Yes. Well, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I typically, you know, I advocate for the most marginalized folks and that includes sex workers and, um, you know, the BIPOC indigenous people of color community um, as well. And but also those those two things intersect as well, you know, so that's where my focus is and what I'm like yelling about on my Instagram account pretty regularly lately. <laughs> so it's a lot of work. How important is it for you to make sure that you're doing the right thing and act, having that hmm, that passion for the right group? How do you know that that's the marginalized community is what you want to make sure that you are How do I helping know? and representing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just once you open your eyes to like the, am I allowed to cuss on your show? Of course you Okay, are. just making sure. Once you open your eyes to like the fucking insane amount of lies that have been told to us since birth, it's it's really hard to ignore that. And so it's almost like it's just uh, it's first of all it's become a, an extreme priority in my life and and also it's just I don't know, it's in the core. It's in the it's in my chest and I've been telling people recently I don't do any work that I'm not like completely in love with and like what I don't feel the most passion for like I never have which is why I'm currently like quit teaching quit doing sex work um for online I I prefer in-person sex work um and uh because it wasn't a, a passion of mine and with what's been happening in the world most recently, but definitely for the last 400 years, um, is horrendous and I'm over it. And I, um, I refuse to be complicit in that bullshit. And I don't feel like there's enough people who are refusing to be complicit. I still think that there's a ton of complicity and, um, 
specifically with white people and um i see a real problem with that and so when i see an issue or a thing i want so badly to find solutions and to solve things or work towards a solution i understand that what we're working on right now will not be solved overnight but to work towards a solution is also something that really drives me um and so i see a place i see a space where there's just so much work to do. And honestly, like work turns me on. Like I love work also. And I love work towards solutions and helping people. I think also is a really huge passion of mine. Really, truly like serving the community because like the only reason we're here is to enjoy this planet and each other. And so I would feel so empty if I wasn't helping other people live their best lives. So I think that's where it comes from. I think you said something that was so important and it was activism and everything that you're working towards doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people get into that kind of stuff and think, Hey, like I'm here at this March. So this is going to make a difference and I'm not going to do anything else after that. And it's really important to understand if you're going to do it, you have to be a hundred percent committed because it doesn't just end where you start. It keeps on going and there. Oh, yeah. It takes many, many, many years for things to change and for things to make a difference and yeah. to actually help people. So it's really important to continue, not just think, hey, I made this like poster and this is good enough. Like I've definitely helped Black Lives Matter, hashtagging all these other things. And it's like, no, that's, that's not just it. It doesn't end right, right. there. That's just the beginning. Yeah, and something that a lot of people have been saying lately, most mostly white people, um, is, well, I've I've done the work. I'm doing the work as if that sort of like protects them from doing further work because they've done work. And it's like, no, but there's there's always work to be done, always and forever, because we're always evolving, and there'll be new societal issues in the same realm of issues that we have, but those issues will shift and form. And so you have to keep learning. So just because you did the work or are doing some work doesn't exempt you from doing other work that's being pointed out that you could be doing, you know, that's been frustrating exactly. for me as a person trying to help other people see that's been a point of frustration. Has COVID impacted the way that you are doing your activism? COVID has impacted everything about my life. Um, but I would say uh, being at home and having more time to connect with more people has impacted my activism in that I'm able to learn more at a faster rate because I'm not driving a million places and I'm not going to parties or going out to dinner with my friends and all of those things took up a lot of time and being at home and being able to really like sort of uh, marinate on what's been going on it that has been really helpful um, I you know there's I hate to say this but you know there were good things and obviously very bad things that came out of this pandemic um, and the number one bad things being obviously the deaths of so many people. And so I don't want to downplay that at all. And my heart goes out to anybody who lost a loved one. Um, 
but at the same time, it has brought other good things with it. And I think for me personally, it's brought a lot of time of reflection. Um, what do I want and what do I like, where, where do my skills and talents, like where, where do they need to show up the most? So I've, I've really had more time to think about that. You said that you are a new amputee mm-hmm. and I really like the fact that you said new, because that means that you're still learning. You're still going through the mental as well as the physical with everything. Mm-hmm. Was it, how important was it for you to not give up dancing after your accident? Oh, it was the first thing I asked the doctor when he came in and told me that I lost half my foot. Um, he was like, I think my doctor was more emotional than I was. He even did like this emotional, like Grey's Anatomy type sigh as he reached for the doorknob to walk out of the room. <laughs> and I, I remember being like, it's not that big a deal, you know, because I asked him, well, okay, so I lost all five of my toes and the ball of my foot in an accident. Like, big deal. Can I walk again, though, in my stripper heels? Like, can I wear my stripper heels again? Was, like, my main question. And he was like, yeah, you can. I was like, okay, like, let's move on with this surgery then. Like, you know, how long will I be here? I have meetings and things that I have to do for work. So, um, and, and then I, a couple days later, was writing to my boss, like, if I want my job back, can I get it? Like, can I come back? Because the doctor says I can wear my shoes again. So it was at the front of my mind. And I remember when I was laying in the street and all of the thoughts were running through my head, one of the thoughts in my head was, ah, shit, I'm going to have to call out of work tomorrow. Like, <laughs> and I didn't want to do that. You know, I love dancing for money. It's my favorite thing in the world. And it didn't hit me until much later that like, oh, no, you're not going back to work in a club probably ever. But I was still like holding on to that immediately. Like, oh, no, no, this is fine. This is fine. I'll go back to work soon. So it's very important. How did you keep that confidence going? Because like you legit is confidence. And Mm -hmm. I love looking at your Instagram. And I'm so excited for the growth that you're going to go through with everything that you're doing, your activism, Mm -hmm. your podcast, like everything that you're doing. I'm so excited (laughs) to see the growth. Like how did you continue to stay so confident? I think um, a lot of it had to do with doing a year of hypnotherapy. Um, I had started hypnotherapy at the beginning of 2018, and my accident was like the second half of December of 2018. And that really like, you know, the reason I started hypnotherapy and reading a bunch of books that year is specifically because my vibe with the universe was off. And I wanted to I wanted to switch my vibe. And so I spent the entire year changing my vibe to have more calmness in my life. Because the reason my vibe was off is because I was making erratic decisions and like having like difficult relations with some of my partners. And I was like, something's off. And I truly believe that by doing meditation and reading self-help books and doing hypnotherapy for that entire year, by the time I was laying in the street amidst chaos, I was very calm and taking things one moment at a time. And um, it's just kind of stuck with me. So I think that all of that, that entire year of practice really had a huge impact on me. And, And looking back on it, I believe that all of that was for the reason of the accident. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't, 
just trying to check my vibe with the universe, I was preparing for a massive life change transition and I needed to be ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of helped ease you into this transition, I guess. 100%. Yeah. I was even doing hypnotherapy on the phone with my therapist in the hospital. She had called me um, and did a session with me in the hospital. That's actually pretty cool. You made sure to continue keeping that positive vibe. Yeah. (laughs) Making sure you had the right vibe check, especially in the hospital. Like, Mm-hmm. yeah that would be something that you would want to make sure that mm-hmm. you're having like high spirits and mm-hmm. I can yeah. totally see how in any other circumstance if you weren't doing that it could have really shifted the mindset and it could have went totally south so yeah totally um I I also you know my hospital experience was very privileged I was brought to the best hospital in Los Angeles to Cedar sinai um, and I'm white and I'm very privileged and I was treated as such. And so that also was, you know, made things easier. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate I, the fact that you said that. Yeah. I, I acknowledge that a lot. Um, and that's one of the reasons why uh, I yell at um, other people so much <laughs> about the in- inequality that we deal with in the world. Yeah, I feel like as a black woman, it's really like it actually warms my heart to hear someone say that because I could have went into a hospital and not come out, right? Like mm-hmm. the rate for like BIPOC is so much higher for death and stuff when you go into a hospital, which is supposed to be the thing that's here to save your life, but yet right. it doesn't work like that. Right. So it makes me feel good that you're acknowledging it and you're not just like sweeping it under the rug. Like, I appreciate that. I appreciate you for saying that. Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you. So after you had your accident and you're going through everything and you realizing at this point, like, okay, I have one foot and I'm going to try to like make the best of it and everything. Yeah. Were you fetishized after that? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. By many, many people not. So there's a group of people called devotees. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. So there are people who specifically um, are sexually aroused by amputees and dis- other other disabled folks and um there's a really wide range of their interests um some of them would request in my inbox that I would crutch around and I was like um what is crutching around <laughs> and, yeah yeah and basically they just wanted to see me on my crutches walking around and they would they were paying me for that. And so I did that for a little while, but then I am off my crutches. And so I realized after a while, like, I don't want to pretend to need to be on my crutches to make money. That doesn't feel good to me. Um, but that's what they want. And, and then, or other people 
would hit me up in my inbox and say, what happened to your leg? Just like regular everyday people. And I find that that's a form of fetishizing and gazing. Um, I find it to be extremely rude. Um, and, you know, to anyone listening out there, if you see someone with an injury, don't ask them about it. Don't ask them what happened because you don't know what type of trauma is connected to that story. Um, for me, I'm I'm quite tough and strong and I can answer the question, but I've stopped answering it and I start I demand money now when people just simply ask the question because I've had to explain myself I've explained myself so many times and I'm I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a really nice person at times depends on the situation and so when people were asking me like I wanted to share and and share my story but then I just got so tiresome they just people just and it, they'd ask like hey what happened to your leg like that not hello oh hello. right yes and but you're also such like a raw and open person you talk about your story it's not right it's not like a first time thing so right the fact that people aren't taking the time to talk about it with you and at least empathize, like, come yeah. on, empathize with me, like a little bit, just a little bit, you like, know? Hi, and- how are you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> start there. Yeah. But there's also a ton of info on my account. If you just take the time to scroll, you can find out for yourself, you know? Um, so I've learned how, and then I've noticed the same thing happens like in the trans community, for instance, different but same where they're like asking trans people about their operations. And I started to notice like, what is this like obsession, obsession with people, <laughs> yeah. right? Knowing what other people are doing with their bodies or have done to their bodies. Like none of us are on your timeline. Like whatever happened to us is our fucking business. You know, I'm not comparing myself to a trans person, but it's something that I've noticed because I have some trans friends and some people ask me, well, oh, have they had surgery? I'm like, motherfucker, I don't fucking ask that question. <laughs> not asking people about their bodies. Like, you know. So right. Like, um, I told you, like, I broke my foot. I mm-hmm. fell when I was rock climbing and I broke my foot in five different places and like walking around in my crutches and stuff. And like, people have come up to me and been like, Oh, I've been there. Like, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. And instead of like being like, Hey, what happened? How long has it been? Like, you don't know, like everything's pretty fresh to me. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and for a little while, like I was kind of, I was like really scared because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I didn't know how I was going to heal from this because I was also born with broken legs. So mm. like my injuries are like worse than they could be if mm. I wasn't already like injured as a person that came into the world injured. Right. right. So oh. like the fact that people aren't like, are you okay? Like whatever. They're like, Oh, well, looks like you had a fun time. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. It was fun riding up until I fell and broke my foot. Or like, like, what happened to you? It's like, I don't want, like, strangers, right? So this this one guy asked me one day what happened to me. And I said, oh, I jumped out of a plane and my parachute didn't open. 
And then he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. And like, and he just, then he carried on about his fear of heights. But I was just thought it was so funny that, you know, he believed me. So, you know, I was just having fun because I'm like over the question, you know, like I would be dead or like Peggy Hill completely, you know, have you ever seen King of the Hill where she falls? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So be body casted out here. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Terrible. People are just, they're just mean people out here. Yeah. What do you have to say about those people that think stripping isn't a real job? Oh my gosh. I have like a book of things that I could say to people uh, about that. I will say that strippers are the most resilient, creative, um, driven and kind, thoughtful people I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. Um, The majority of my community and my friends are strippers and they're some of the most hardworking people I know. And strippers and sex workers um, could be some of the most skilled workers you would ever hire outside of a strip club setting because they can basically do almost any job. Um, they can do sales, they can do, um, customer service. They are extremely intelligent and uh, the work that we do is, is mostly customer service, almost like therapy. Um, and also when I'm speaking, I'm speaking from my own personal experience. I'm not speaking, uh, for the entire industry. It's a very large industry and we all feel differently about it. Um, but it, it, of, it of course is work. It is a real job. And for me, it was a almost a 20 year long career. Well, I'm still doing it technically. I mean, I do it online, so I'm still doing it. Um, and it's an intense amount of work and especially doing it online now because you have to be your own producer. You have to set up your lighting and you have to know how your music sounds across the internet. And, you know, you have to set up a space in your house and, it's a whole thing. It's uh, more work than most people can handle. And we do it in eight inch heels. So go which is yourself if you don't think it's a job. <laughs> right? I, yeah. I always tell people, I'm like, you don't understand because when a stripper has to unfortunately step back from the thing that they like and have to go into this like corporate world of bullshit people look at resumes and think hey there's a gap in your resume what's this all about and it's like I was literally doing this and more right like wall stripping but it's like how do you explain that to people because there's so much stigma around yeah sex workers and strippers and all sorts of things like if if you're within that like sex worker world people look at you as if you know you're doing something wrong yeah I mean fortunately right now I have seen more public support for sex workers than I've ever seen ever and I've seen it in this last year and it might be because so many more civilians have turned to sex work You know what I mean? And so it's like once like more uh, civilians and what I've seen mostly 
and correct me if I'm wrong, is like all of these articles about civilians that take OnlyFans jobs are mostly white women and they're all like, sex work is real work. And it's like, but what were you saying two or three years ago? Are you saying that now because you are, you know, you see it as an avenue of uh, to make money or is, you know, or are you just saying that because you're now doing it and you never thought you would have until the pandemic hit? And I'm not, you know, no judgment or anything, like no shade or anything, but like why all of a sudden, which I'm grateful for, are we all like, yeah, sex work is great. It's because you needed a solution, you know? So now there's more of you talking about it and there's more of it being written about um, than ever before. And it's not the first time in a depression, which that's basically kind of what we're in. It's like similar. Like that's what people tend to turn to because that is the first and oldest profession in the world and people are like oh duh okay i'll do this you know and it seems safe on OnlyFans. it's safe right because it's not in-person sex work so it's more accessible for these people listen i'm like riffing and theorizing as i'm talking also so i just want to make that clear <laughs> you know um this is the first time I'm saying these things out loud, um, but it's just what I'm seeing across the board, which, again, I'm grateful for if that's what it took for civilians to see sex work as a new avenue because they lost their job in order to help raise up the rest of us, then okay, so be it. Just make sure that you recognize you're in new territory and there's a lot of work to be done in this industry. And so yeah. don't just do the not work the easy cop out. Mm -hmm. Like it's no. not an easy cop out. Right. It is hard work. It's hard work. And if you're going to come up in our space, then I really hope you're taking the time to understand who is actually the most marginalized because it's not just sex workers. It's specifically black trans sex workers are the most marginalized. So what are you doing for them in your new profession? And what do you understand about what you're getting into? Um, so that would be my message to new sex workers that just started their OnlyFans account this year. How did you get into exotic dancing? I've wanted to do it since I was a young person, probably. I became obsessed with sex workers when I was 13 because I discovered Playboy magazine. And I was like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, they get to do this. Like, when do I get to do this? And I was very, it was very clear to me, like, not until you're 18. And um, so I would like practice in my bedroom when I was like 15 and 16, like posing and dancing and trying on my mom's lingerie and then putting it back exactly how she had it in her drawer. Right. So she never. I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was very <laughs> meticulous. And, um, and then I saw strippers on um, like a news story on Fox and they had like rhinestones and like gowns and I was like oh my god that's so elegant who doesn't want that job um and so I just always wanted to do it and so what really um I tried when I was 18 my mom wouldn't let me and then um it wasn't until I moved out of my house and I was very broke um, but I had a boyfriend, so he was the hurdle, right? Because he was like, no, you're not going to be a stripper. And then we were paying for Taco Bell dinner with nickels and dimes. And he was like, maybe you should be a stripper. And I was like, all right. And then I did. And then six months later, I broke up with him. 
and took everything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You keep your nickels in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was just in me. I just wanted it. What are your thoughts on slut shaming? Um, I find it to be terrible. I don't think anyone should slut shame anyone for any type of sex work or any type of sluttery that they choose to um, partake in. I have zero judgment for any amount of sex or type of sex or um, unless, obviously, if it's um, abusive or with a minor um, and or. Uh, but, you know, any kink, any weird thing, any however many people you want to have sex with, like, I don't care. Like, I don't know. It's up to you, man. Your body, your choice. You know, <clears throat> I think slut shaming yeah. is um, damaging to society. Uh, I think it damages both um, all genders, I think, all across the board. Um, and then it leads to slut shaming yourself, which is the worst form of slut shaming. But we're conditioned to accept slut shaming, to believe in slut shaming, and then to um, police our own bodies by then slut shaming ourselves. And that's why I find it to be so dangerous. Any self shaming is um, not very nice to yourself, any kind of shaming. And um, slut shaming just, it sort of disconnects, I think, your, your feeling with your own body and your own self as a person and what your interests and desires are I think it I think it can be really harmful it's just love thyself no matter how slutty you are tell me about RuPaul's Drag Race <sighs> it was excellent it was an excellent time he was a friend of mine I met him through another friend um, and it was, it was very nice to be on the show. Um, thankfully it was a long time ago when things were different. Um, I'm quite disappointed in his work now. Quite disappointed yep. in his community care. Um, I've even had contact with him recently, asking him for help with our community. And he basically said, no, and good luck with your campaign. And talked about his relationship with social media. And uh, it was extremely disappointing. And then I also heard that he fracks. So that really pissed me off too. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I... So, yeah. I was wondering how you felt about that because I have, yeah, I have my like, um, I guess, flip floppy moments and yeah, I guess, I guess to be uh, polite, it is uh, not of an importance to me, <laughs> so <laughs> to, yeah. to be nice but yeah I wanted to ask about that because um like you said it was a, a long time ago and since then things have developed and I see how his activism is within community especially being a black person it's odd to me 
Very, very odd. And, you know, when I went on the show, it was still on Logo, and only season one was out. So I was in season two, so no one had seen season two. So it was like his whole way of showing up was different. It was more authentic because he wasn't, you know, he was very famous when I was younger. I remember seeing him as a TV host on when I was in high school, and then he just kind of went off the radar for a while, right? So, so then he had to, like, be introduced to an entire new generation that was consuming his media and so a lot of them unless you were like my age weren't really that in tune with who he was so there was more humbleness at the time you know and um and then his the fame you know i have to say i think it changed i think it changed him or maybe he was always like that and it just amplified him i don't know right nobody will really ever know right yeah (laughs) How do you feel social media has changed your connection with people? Um, well, I, I, I love social media. I have friends all over the world, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, uh, and what I think it's done is it's created stronger bonds because of the amount of discrimination that we experience. And so it creates like this solidarity and you know, the the fight against the discrimination that happens on social media is an everyone's problem. And so regardless if I like you or not, or you like me or not, I hope that they would adopt the same sentiment as I'm about to say, which is, it doesn't matter what our differences are, like we have to save what freedom of self-expression we have on the internet. If it goes away, like it will cause so many issues, like too many to list. So I see like sort of it's like having a common enemy almost and but a common bond, you know, because it's social media is not the enemy. It's the the laws and the executives that create the guidelines um, and and the lawmakers that create the laws. And so it's us against those people. And social media is like the thing that we need to learn from each other and to be safe too, especially sex workers. So um i i love social media i don't want it to get weird more weird than it already is um and the weirdness i'm uh alluding to is um the the constant discrimination and erasure of um those that are different those that aren't normal those those are the people that are getting erased and um it's painful it is it is mm-hmm. painful and it's sad especially with shadow banning certain folks it's Mm -hmm. it's really disheartening you know yeah because it's like the one place that you have to kind of be with the same folks as you like the same people that have the same mindset people that know what you're going through people that will advocate for you or you will advocate for them and to be shadow banned really like especially when you're like a sex worker and they shadow ban not only just sex workers, but all sorts of people across all spectrums right. if you're different. are shadow banned. Right. As soon as you're different, if you right. have a different mindset than everyone else, it's very clear that you're not going to be seen and heard. So right. like, how do you feel about the shadow banning that's been happening? It's... Um it hurts people's pockets uh it makes people feel like they're not allowed to go to the party 
it reminds me of, you know, back in the day where uh, people could deny you service based on your religion or race or morals, you know, or your uh, sexual orientation. It's it reminds me of that, that it's like this archaic way of saying you're not welcome here, like how we used to live. Um, and what it shows me is it's a reflection of that these issues actually still exist. Um, so the internet has done a really good job and the social media um, uh, companies have, have done a really good job of like holding up a mirror to, you know, the systemic issues that we deal with in this country and on this globe. Um, so, you know, and also Instagram like denies that they do it they just call it something else but they're straight up like shadow banning is not real and then they explain what shadow banning is and they're like this is actually they're mansplaining which yeah, is even like, worse yeah and we're like homie we have just made a word for it just accept that we made a word for what you're explaining um so yeah it's again it's it's shaming and it's shunning it shuns people and um being shadow banned i personally have asked myself once why does this upset me so much and I and I had to really think about it and it was like because I feel like I don't have a place to be myself and to be safe that's why this bothers me and this is a reflection of the reality because when you live in like I live in a sex worker bubble I'm so accepted by my friends and my family and my coworkers, but there's plenty of other people out there that would shun me to like exile me to an island if they could and that's basically what shadow banning is exiling those that they you know the majority in the whatever idea they've made up in their head that that's what it feels like and it's just sucks like why can't we all accept each other you know it sucks to my core it sucks that's so eloquently put thank you like <laughs> it really does suck it it's not fair that celebrities can be out here twerking a, their ass in a thong and you try to do that and all of a sudden you have like, oh, this goes against our guidelines. And I'm like, yo, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> like yeah. I literally just saw this being like shown all across social media platforms. But I guess because they're a celebrity, it's perfectly fine. Like it, it really makes me sad because I'm not um a huge big person for social media but I love the way that it connects people and I love the way that you're able to find your own kind of community and yeah. find that like love and that support mm. and it really makes it hard when you're out here and you're trying to look for somebody and you can't find them right yeah or their feeds not coming up on your Instagram feed or something like or, the things that they're posting, the things they're saying. It's like, right. Or Instagram will now remove you. They'll remove you from like following people that they don't think should have followers. So you'll think you're following someone and then you go and check and you're not because they'll do it for you. Really nasty. Wow. Mm -hmm. Really nasty. So nasty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you hope listeners take away from this episode? 
I hope that listeners will learn as much as they can about sex workers and sex work and the activism and advocacy work that we are doing. Um, we are currently, there's a, a group of us all over the globe that have come together that are raising awareness about the internet laws that have been made and are in the process of like getting voted on. And they're these laws are extremely dangerous to um, the internet as we know it. It will, um, you know, end encryption, which is bad for not just sex workers or regular people, but for the security of um, our nation. Uh, it They're trying to ban porn on the internet um, and they are trying to erase sex workers on the internet. And unfortunately, if you're um, a person in a bikini or you're a sex worker, they can't tell the difference. So if they start erasing sex workers, you're next. You're next in athletic wear, you're next in lingerie, you're next in a bikini, whether, no matter what you're doing. Um, I've already seen it happening to like Olympic athletes, images of theirs getting deleted um, because they just can't tell the difference. So if you walk away thinking, well, I'm not a sex worker and you know I don't need to have that type of content on the internet, so I'm gonna be okay, you're not. Um, an attack on sex workers is an attack on bodies and it's an attack on human beings and it starts with us and it'll come for the rest of the world. So sex workers are the canaries in the coal mines and we sense a huge shift and a lot of things coming that if we don't take collect collective action, um, we will all be seriously fucked. So pay attention to sex worker activists and advocates and find out how you can support their work uh, so that we can all have a place to be fully self-expressed. Yep. I like that. It pretty much sums up everything that needs to be done and everything that everybody needs to try to collectively work towards. Mm -hmm. We all have to make sure that our voices are heard and they're not swept under the rug. And, right. and like you said, it starts with sex workers and people are looking at it like, okay, it doesn't involve me, but you're right. If mm -hmm. you're someone in a bikini it's gonna happen to you because like exactly. you said, they can't tell the difference right right if there was one thing you could change in the whole entire world what would it be oh that the government talked to us about aliens that they do exist and um and how to move forward peacefully um so that i would love uh just you know stop covering it up just talk to us about it that i would love to change that <laughs> i know that's like so random <laughs> no it's not i think it's so ignorant of us to think that we're the only thing out right. there in the whole entire universe like yeah it's it's super ignorant to think that you're the only person that yeah. mankind is it <laughs> right like, it's very weird and maybe but. that would help us treat each other better you know maybe that would help exactly yeah i'm hoping that like people will understand that there needs to there needs to be some kind of bond between us and aliens because it really right <laughs> they're coming well they if are they're coming, not already yeah. here exactly <laughs> like if they're, yeah they're not already here they're coming and we're pretty much fucked yeah if we can't get along it's exactly. nothing but war out here 
but we have to and, get along with each other first, you know, and like yeah. learn to get along with them. And so that's why I'm I'm hoping that that would create more solidarity if we could just have an open conversation about it. You know? Right. I think I'm yeah. like such a hippy dippy spiritual witch. <laughs> so nice. like I, for one, I really would like to see that. Like, I really yeah. want peace on earth. Like, legit. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> it yeah, sounds too. so pageanty, but like, I really do want it. Same. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. And thank you for shedding some like light on some really important issues yeah. and let the people know where they can find you. Oh, great. Yes. I, I also have a podcast called Yes, a Stripper Podcast. And you can find that on Instagram at Yes, a stripper podcast. And my personal Instagram account is at the queen of sexy. If you're going to look for that account and you don't follow me, you have to type out every single letter absolutely correctly in order to find my account because I'm shadow banned. Again, that's at the queen of sexy. And uh, I also work for Soldiers of Pole. It's a labor movement for strippers. So if you want to learn more about that, you can just Google Soldiers of Pole and you'll find all of the info on there. We've got tons of info online. So, yeah. And you guys have some like really awesome links and mm -hmm. things that we can sign, like petitions as well, which is yes. really cool. Yeah. If that's on um, the Everybody Visible account, if you go to at Everybody Visible, you can take a survey about what's happening for you on social media, sign a petition, and also find some action items so that you can also do the things to make a difference thank you so much yeah thank you that ends another episode yeah. of the thoughtful hope right yeah so thank you everyone for taking the time to listen and as always thoughtfully yours the thoughtful hoe